is causing the issue, not just glossing over. So I know that you're going to enjoy the show today. Now, the information shared on Get Over It uses intuitive and pragmatic insight to help you shift your consciousness to break through the blocks and release energy that is no longer needed. Yes, we're going to help you let go of the BS that's holding you back. And you know I always ask that question, are you truly ready to? And by the way, folks, BS is belief system. A bit about me for my new listeners, intuitive since birth. I'm a third generation intuitive with over three decades of experience supporting people to break through the blocks along their path. I'm a strategist for personal and professional transformation, revealing cutting edge information that enables you to prosper and thrive. I spent 25 successful years in corporate America as an executive sales professional, and I'm the founder of Healing Visions Ministries and the Northern California Children's Education Network, a 501c3 nonprofit. I provide consultations and healings in all areas of life that heal the mind-body-spirit connection, allowing you to live your very best life. My clients tell me that I keep it real while providing them with accurate information to assist them along their journey as a spirit living a human existence. But they also say, if you really don't want to know, don't ask Monique. My background includes a doctorate in metaphysics, Reiki master teacher, ordained minister, and clinical hypnotherapist. So whether you are stressed, depressed, or possessed, I can help. To find out more about me and the services I offer, go to my website, and that's MoniqueChapman.com, and I invite you to like me on Facebook and follow me on Twitter and LinkedIn. And folks, if you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe, okay, and give us some stars. We love that, okay? My guest today, Peter Mark Adams and his wife, Kenzie, have shared a healing and personal development practice for more than 20 years where they specialize in energy and meridian techniques, breath work, and meditation. For more than 45 years, 45 years, he doesn't look like he's 45, much less more than 45 years. But anyway, for more than 45 years, he's practiced a range of meditative and energy-based techniques, including mind control, I'm sorry, mind connection healing, Reiki, EFT, mindfulness, and rebirthing breathwork. You can check him out at both of his websites, and that is petermarkadams.com. And again, that's petermarkadams.com, all one word, and mindconnectionhealing.com. Again, mindconnectionhealing.com, all one word. Welcome, Peter. Hi, Monique. Lovely to be on your show. Thank you so much for inviting me. Oh, I am so glad that you're here. Now, where are you uh, talking to me from today? Istanbul. Oh, wow. Istanbul, a place I'd love to visit, <laughs> but not right now. But a place I would love to visit. Oh, I um, used to dream about Istanbul, and I don't know why the Orient Express all in the same thing when I was a kid. So maybe, maybe that's why your healing is so deep. But your book, um, The Power of the healing field is very strong, um, very deep healing methodologies in it. Uh, what are you considering energy medicine and then what are you considering the energy healing? 
Well, um, the, the word, of course, is so ambiguous, isn't it? We talk uh-huh. about energy in all kinds of ways. I think in a healing context, we're interested in uh, two forms of energy. One is uh, an electromagnetic uh, frequency range from 0.5 to around 60 hertz or cycles per second, um, which perfectly matches all of the organs and, and parts of our body. So it's the energy at the hands of energy healers, for instance, Uh and also the energy we found in um, certain medical devices sweeping through the same range. So that's kind of the measurable part of energy in the healing context. The other half is far more subtle and and far more difficult to define, but it's been known to humanity from as far back as we can see. And it's the subtle body, the subtle energies that Mm -hmm. are the life force within us. Okay. Now, you've written this beautiful book, and in the book you have definitely made a connection between energy medicine, intuition, ancestral healing. Why was it important to engulf all of that together? I think the... um, the important thing here is that our, the focus of our awareness defines our reality. But our awareness is, is such an expansive or has such an expansive capability that it opens up other domains of familial and ancestral heritage. Okay? So, when our awareness is moving in these in these other areas, we we have psi abilities. We we pick up on information, and a more simple way to put this is that the empathic nature of the healer can see deep into the past, and and whether that's just the childhood past or an ancestral past, empathy is the kind of bridge for the energy healer to access those long, long buried traumas and hurts. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I want to jump, I got some more questions regarding that, but I want to jump ahead a moment because I think this um, relates to what you're talking about. You talk about um, different types of uh, healing that can be done. Um, and it is a tied to memory, so to speak, like prenatal memory, past life memory, family unconsciousness. Talk to us about that and then bring it back to how this helps us heal in today's world. Okay. I mean, in in conventional terms, we we all possess a a present moment awareness. We have uh, consciousness, memory, uh, biographical memory and uh, biographical unconscious, that's to say stuff that's kind of slipped out of uh, our, our ability to remember it. But in our healing practice, we see that this model is inadequate, that in fact we have a connection to our time, uh, what's called perinatal, uh, which is say our time in the womb and during the birth process. Uh-huh. Uh, and this is not a time normally in which medicine um, attributes consciousness to the fetus. But it's absolutely clear from our cases of healing that 
people are conscious in the room, that the fetus mm -hmm. is conscious of what's happening around it. And, and beyond that, people, people hold uh, traumatic memories from past lives. Now, whether you take past lives in some kind of inverted commas or just past lives, mm -hmm. uh, they have distinct memories of traumatic deaths in past lives. And, and these traumatic events ripple forward into the present moment, uh, Monique, and, and that's where they become problematic. Mm -hmm. um, in your book, you start out with sharing a story of your healing. <laughs> yeah. Right. Why, why don't you share that with people so they can get a very clear understanding of how you went from point A to point Z and healed? Yeah, this is one of those those rare cases where there's like a blast of lightning healing process takes place. Mm -hmm. uh, normally, it's far more, it takes more time normally, but I'd been to acupuncturist and been diagnosed with a large liver. So, um, coincidentally, a couple of days later, we met up with this um, bioenergist, recently arrived in the city, and mm -hmm. she wanted to demonstrate her abilities. So I said, yeah, sure. Um, and she kind of ran her hands around my aura and immediately diagnosed the same problem. That, that was wow. stunning. And yeah. then she said, okay, I can fix this kind of thing. And what happened was absolutely amazing because she seemed to to raise the inner energy uh, that she had accessible to her to a huge height and then pulled, not physically, but energetically, pulled this blockage out of my liver into herself. And as she did so, the emotional trauma connected with that physical blockage was drawn out as well and then uh -huh. she kind of lifted her head back and simply blew and and released the whole thing and oh and, wow and and with that i i kind of had this ecstasy my energy just surged internally and i uh -huh. kind of laughed for like half an hour <laughs> but we went back to the acupuncturist a few days later and he did the diagnosis again and uh -huh. he said, I can't find any trace of the liver problem. Wow. I mean, that's a true testament as to how strong energy work can be. But when you went to um, this healer, did you have to have like a frame of mind of, well, if it works, it works, or I truly believe this person can help me? No, I mean, uh, this is an unknown person. I didn't know. Uh, bioenergy as a technique mm -hmm. um, and I had no reason to doubt her but no reason to trust that anything was going to mm -hmm. happen either so I was just kind of open about it let's see um, yeah just let's see okay so with you being open you allowed the process to work it's kind of oh, like we're yeah, both yeah. It you use Reiki, so it's kind of like, you know, the energy goes wherever it's needed, right? Exactly, exactly. Uh, but in this case with bioenergy, it's clear that um, she cultivates inner energy 
to a high degree, which, of course, you know, with Reiki, you don't have to do. It simply flows right. through you. But yeah, right. she she has practices to strengthen and, and, and cultivate this inner energy. And of course, with bioenergy, you can only use it so many times. You you get depleted because you're using your own energy. It's, it's mm -hmm. you know, you need so to know back off. How does one... Uh, replenish their energy if you become depleted as far as I know it it's it's all about diet and spending time in nature and and um, how you meditate and and bring peace to your mind so uh, I'm not trained in bioenergy but these are the things that I understood that she was practicing daily mm -hmm. okay well it, it truly makes a difference I mean you don't have to be a a medical doctor, um, allopathic doctor, to uh, help someone with their cure. Um, I think yeah, that she was from uh, Eastern Europe, Monique, and uh -huh. over there you can you can you can get you know, like a three-year training, like a medical internship uh, for bioenergy. So it's accepted in the main mainstream medicine. Uh -huh. um, so she had that training and, and prior to that she had actually been a medical doctor that was interesting mm -hmm. okay so mark um i want to call you mark i don't know why in that your <laughs> little name but peter <laughs> he's mark to me folks um but peter um describe to us the actual healing field yeah i mean for me this has two dimensions uh, Monique. One is that when you're face-to-face -face with a client, there's a field that comes uh, into play that connects you. Okay? Mm -hmm. That's one aspect. But that field gives access to the broader field of consciousness. And, you know, the model I'm working with is basically panpsychic. I mean, it means that consciousness is distributed throughout reality. Mm -hmm. So that it's possible for, uh, the, for the healer to access the client's deep memory, to find the, the root causes of the traumas they're suffering from. And, and mm -hmm. I think many of the cases in the book cover that kind of uh, situation. So yeah, there's, there's two aspects to the field. One is generated during the interaction. And this is true also of family constellation therapy, by the way. And I think it was probably attending family constellation therapy that really gave me in, insight into how the mechanics of this process work. I can okay, briefly well, describe that. If yeah, like. please do. Please yeah, do. well, I, I went along to family constellation therapy simply as an observer. And uh -huh. um, there's a therapist there, there's a couple of people who want therapy, and there's a group of strangers in the room. And um, the people who want therapy go around the strangers and simply select someone, will you represent my father, my mother, or whatever, and place the people in the center of the room. Now, a very strange thing happens with this it's as though that pattern uh, representing the family immediately brings into play a field. Because when I did it, I immediately, although remaining in my own thoughts and feelings, had access to an emotional overlay, which was somebody else's thoughts and feelings. Okay? Uh -huh. 
So essentially what we're doing there is using a ritual kind of pattern to generate a field, and that field gives access to the familial and ancestral memory. So you can model people's interactions even if they're long dead. Uh -huh. Now the amazing thing with this is having done so, you can then um, you can then bring about a reconciliation in the field. And the, the person who's there for the therapy gets the benefit of that. Okay, so you go back and you work with the ancestors. Now, do you help them heal? And then you That's bring it. that healing forward to present time? That's right. And, and in most cases, um, Monique, this has a strong ethical dimension to it. Um, the, the, these like ancestral and familial traumas are often to do with cases of gross injustice, lack of respect, um, various forms of harm that have been inflicted. So that the only way to correct that is ethically. That's to say there has to be a recognition of pain given and uh, a full and, and heartfelt uh, forgiveness for that. And this rectifies the field. So can this be also used for people in nationalities, races that have gone through a horrific time? I'm thinking about the Jews in Auschwitz. I'm thinking about black people in slavery. Can this be done in a mass scale or is it just going to work for your particular lineage going back and forward? Oh, that's, a, that's a huge question, isn't it? You know, what, what are the limits? Of, I, I know that this technique is used in, in uh, for so-called systemic constellations, that's to say, mm -hmm. non-familial contexts. How far it can be employed, I'm not sure. And I think that would be a really interesting area to explore. Yes, I, I think so too. Now, another um, method that you talk about in your book is meridian therapy and how effective it is with helping people with PTSD. How and why? Okay, well, this goes right back to the 1980s. There was a guy called Robert Callahan, and he developed a thought field therapy based on the acupuncture meridians. And uh, this was quite a complex system, but uh, Gary Craig, another salesperson, by the way, <laughs> greatly simplified the system so that all you needed to do is tap on the heads of the major meridians where they surface on the face, okay? And, and have a connection to the emotional trauma. And when you do that tapping, and connect to the originating emotion, it clears it very, very successfully. And Gary uh, demonstrated this back in the 80s with Vietnam veterans. But, uh, uh -huh. you know, it, it's taken <laughs> the last 30 years before we've had the first clinical trials demonstrating how effective this is. Um, Why is it that the established medicine field, if you will, is kind of not wanting to embrace energy medicine? I mean, you would think that 
they would take their training in the energy medicine and meld them into one and people would be healthier overall. Yeah, I think it has to do with the uh, underlying medical paradigm, you know, the notion that there are these energy channels is, is kind of non-Western. Um, they're, they're not acknowledged as part of the, you know, biology. Um, so that the underlying science basis from a Western point of view is lacking. And that makes it a pseudoscience. Uh-huh. The fact that it is mainstream medicine in other parts of the world, of course, uh, unfortunately doesn't connect with that. So we have this kind of fantastic results on the one hand and an inability to integrate it into mainstream medicine on the other. It's a huge problem. That said, there's so many psychiatrists, psychologists and doctors who have come to us for training in um like tapping or meridian therapies. So it's kind of being practiced, but you know, it's not like, it's not, it's not on the menu. (laughs) Yeah. It's amazing how they want to, you know, control um, medicine and control. Yeah. Because we could live such um, great lives. Now, you know, everybody that comes to earth, we were someplace before we came here, then we're here and then we go someplace else. So everybody's worried and wondering about healing, but are we supposed to truly heal or what is it we're supposed to or learn, I guess, here in Earth School about healing before we go on to what's ever next? I think the, um, for me, the, the great benefits of healing is that it has cleared the way for me to fulfill the various talents that I have. Uh-huh. Um, and, and that itself has been kind of spiritually uplifting. So it's, it's facilitated development of a higher level of empathy and intuition, uh, a greater understanding and a greater compassion. And so at some point, it kind of tips from healing into spirituality. You know, it's kind of mm-hmm. unavoidable uh, shift takes place after you've done a certain amount of healing work on yourself and then uh-huh. on others, um, your capacity for understanding, certainly for understanding people's bad behaviors and, and their awkward responses is greatly increased. Yeah. Okay. And, and then- uh, for me, that's just, that is the nature of the spiritual path is compassion. Yes, if we could just get there, you know, between here <laughs> and the United States of, you know, before this current president, we had a president that didn't, um, in my opinion, believe in compassion. And right now, as you and I are talking, I mean, the poor people in Ukraine, they are going through an exercise, if you will, where they're being attacked by a person with no compassion. How do we heal from that? Yeah, I mean, it's on a case-by-case business. I mean, there's a lot of evil in the world, um, and it's, it's, it's unavoidably there. We, we can't shut our eyes to it. Um, but there's a, there's a limit on how much we can do to help it, you know. And, and what we can do is to work on ourselves, our friends, family, uh, neighbors, and community. 
Uh-huh. And that should be within the grasp of anybody. Um, so one of the reasons I wrote this book was to show not only the range of conditions that these energy techniques can heal, but how easy some of these techniques are to learn and then use. You know, it's it's about empowerment. Yes, it is. And the emotional freedom technique or EFT, folks, that is very powerful. Um, it can work instantaneously. And if not, you know, within, I would think, two or three repetitions, whatever is stressing you can go. What is your feeling on that, Peter? Yeah, it, it, it's absolutely amazing. EFT is the gateway to energy healing, in my opinion. It's, it's one of those things you can learn so quickly. It empowers you to start handling a huge range of both physical, mental, and emotional issues. Mm-hmm. And once you start helping other people with that technique, you know, um, you're really on the path to some higher level of, of, of healing and self-empowerment. Most definitely. Now, you you talked in your book about haunting and major disasters. You've even talked about um, different energies that attach. Um, so yeah. I'd like to talk about all of that, but let's start with um, entities that attach. Is it good to have energy that's not yours around you? Not, not in my opinion, no. Um, thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> in, in, a, in a healing context, we, we come across this as en- energy attachments. That's the same mm-hmm. kind of parasitic influence, a drain, uh, emotional drain, physical drain. Um, and, and it may be as trivial as, as the fact that, um, like if you had an operation in a hospital, uh, when you're under the anesthetic, uh, somebody who's died and, and hasn't realized they're dead uh, may have attached to your energy body. And in, in acupuncture, this is called a GUI. Um, uh-huh. And it's fairly easily released. You know, you, you need to send the dead to the light, which is where they should be. But uh-huh. a lot of people are not prepared for death. Um, so they die without knowing they're dead or they feel lost. They have strong attachments uh, that they couldn't resolve in this lifetime. And mm-hmm. they're kind of hanging around for, for that reason. Um, and we, we document some of these in the book, but we document a couple of more positive cases as well. <laughs> I hasten to add, um, some people um, actually have died but intervene in a positive way in the healing process to help okay, their partner for instance overcome their grief there's a, uh-huh. an example of that in the book well um, could you share a little bit of that please well this was a case um that kenzie dealt with uh, it was a woman who had this like long-standing grief over the death of her husband uh-huh. um but she soon she just couldn't seem to uh, reconcile herself to the loss and uh, she came for healing and it, it turned out she'd spent a lot of time in the kitchen washing up and you know we we couldn't understand why this was going on and uh, the husband seemed to channel the information through Kenzie that she had to stop doing this 
it turned uh -huh. out he used to be so busy in the kitchen she was trying to um, recover that atmosphere uh -huh. that feeling in her day-to-day -day uh -huh. life and he intervened to say please stop doing that you know and it was that intervention that allowed her to connect to the grief in such a way that Kenzie was able to clear it with EFT. Okay. Well, how do you ascertain the difference between her situation, which is, you know, very believable. I mean, you know, the husband dies or the spouse dies and there's an energy and the type of energy that says, hey, I'm going to suck you dry. I'm going to come and take <laughs> full advantage of you. I am going to, you know, deplete you if I can. How do you tell the difference? Because they can fool you and make them make you think that they're just so wonderful and benevolent when they're not. Yeah. Uh, I think generally um, we don't deal with an energy and entity attachment. Mm -hmm. okay. When people come to us knowing that they have some form of attachment, uh, we prefer to refer them on to people who specialize in that. Uh -huh. um, and the second point is that what you're describing is is almost a kind of demonic attachment, uh -huh. okay? Uh -huh. And it's incredibly dangerous to deal with these things unless you're qualified. I mean, you you need to have a formidable armory to deal with. So uh -huh. I don't recommend any casual energy worker. Uh, normally, these these things make their presence felt because there's a process by which they attach themselves and and that process will start with um for instance that client waking up with cuts and bruises in the morning which uh -huh. they can't account for and then that may evolve into you know like a bad smell around them it's another characteristic sign of um let's not call them demons but call them energy parasites which okay. are unwelcome unwanted <laughs> and, and need to be on a different plane than us okay let's let's okay. put it that way let's put it that way okay <laughs> <laughs> sounds so, good there of, there's a number of like incremental signs um and another one is one uh, which is actually not documented in the book Monique but I put it it was so important I put it on my academia.edu site and it's called Lord of the Flies okay it's a very disturbing case um, of possession mm -hmm. uh, which I was dealing with at the time and again uh, one of the features of that is the um, resolution of the problem never sticks one week later they're back with the same complaint you fix it a week later they're back again <laughs> and the third week you know you're dealing with something more than just the presenting case yeah you have okay. to share with that, them some tools you need to say look you know <laughs> you need you need an exorcist <laughs> yeah and now not next week and now so yeah. coming back coming back to your book the power of the healing field when one reads this are they going to be able to utilize this practice or is this just providing very good grounded information so they are comfortable with taking the next step 
Okay. What, what I wanted to do is show a number of different techniques in operation. Mm -hmm. uh, but because we ourselves employ different techniques, we have that that dynamic choice. So, and we have good cases um, of those techniques in use and getting a result. So, I wanted to get that across to people. You know, what is the variety of natural energy healing techniques available to them? Mm -hmm. um, what is the dynamic range of conditions you can use them for? And and the step between okay that's happening this one is the one i'm attracted to the reader needs to make that choice themselves because not all techniques suit everybody exactly. some of them are more easy to learn some need study some of them are intense in their operation and some of them are very gentle so it, it has a lot to do with your own nature really Mm -hmm. um, what are your, and this isn't in the book, this is just uh, your opinion. How do you feel about mind altering substances and the healing field? I mean, here in the United States, um, they're about to legalize um, marijuana, um, you know, at the federal level. Um, other people will do mushrooms or ayahuasca or something. How do you feel about that in the healing field? Does it help? Or do you think it could uh, put you back a few steps? I, th I think for um, extreme cases, um, there's a proven kind of methodology, well, perhaps not a method, <laughs> perhaps methodology is too strong a word. Mm -hmm. There's a proven case that in certain mental conditions um, and in, in, in cases of terminal illness, Mm -hmm. Some of those entheogens, so-called, can be very helpful. But that's not a blanket endorsement. Um, okay. I, I equally see a lot of people getting long-term um, psychosis from uh, overuse of certain drugs. And mm -hmm. It doesn't come out till later. And it's, it's certainly not something I ever employ. Mm -hmm. um, and I wouldn't recommend them to anybody. But that said, you know, I have to respect traditions like uh, the Alahuasca, the Mescaline. These are uh, tied up to long-standing spiritual traditions. They have mm -hmm. a know-how and a lineage within them. Um, and, and I respect that, even though I have never tried them myself. I have a big respect yeah. for them. I'm afraid to. <laughs> you know, I'm just a big scaredy cat. Okay, so let's let's go to your website, um, petermarkadams.com. What are we going to find there? Well, really, I'm I'm also a professional author, uh, Monique. So mm -hmm. I'm doing studies there on the intersection of spirituality and art. Mm -hmm. Okay, so what they'll see over there is is of course the power of the healing field but also mm -hmm. my other books like uh, the one i've written on the villa of the mysteries in pompeii you know it's the fresh beautiful frescoes there just being restored and they show the stages of initiation into the mysteries of dionysus so mm -hmm. that, that that's that's uh, over, featured over there 
And my earlier book on a Renaissance tarot deck called Solobuska. Mm-hmm. I decoded this incredibly dense imagery um, to reveal a ritual process embedded in this Renaissance tarot deck. Mm-hmm. That's okay. a bit of a detective story over there. A bit of detective mm-hmm. work, yeah. Uh, yes. Sounds like fun while you're learning, you know. Oh, gosh, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, a lot of fun. And then um, when we... Go ahead. So I was just going to say my forthcoming work this summer will be uh, decoding the sacred architecture of the Hagia Sophia here in oh. Istanbul. Okay, that'll be very interesting. Mm. Yeah, very interesting. You'll have to call me when that's out. Now, um, your second website, Mind Connection Healing, which is the crux, I think, of what you do, tell us, um, is mindconnectionhealing.com. Tell us what yeah. we find there and how we can connect with you. Okay, I mean, essentially, uh, our healing practices evolve now. So we still do an awful lot of a sui reiki. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that's like daily discipline uh, Uh for me. Um, But beyond that, we've evolved our approach to energy healing. Um, So that mind connection healing is a technique whereby we formulate a healing instruction and you internalize it. Okay. So that whenever you're faced with a awkward, difficult, emotionally stressful situation, you simply trigger this and it clears the energy body for you. Instantly? Yeah. So you you carry the the healing instruction with you and then just Uh call it up when you want. And we have fantastic results with that. So Mind Connection Healing, people can go there and just check it out themselves. Kenzie also does uh, one-on-one healing sessions if people want that. Um, the evidence for her success with that is in the book, uh, fantastic cases uh, mm-hmm. that she's dealt with. Um, and, she, and she's getting right 95 percent success rate basically that's great you know people so, nothing's a hundred percent okay nothing is 100%. <laughs> nothing's a hundred percent so if you're like 82 percent and higher you know you're doing darn you're good in the zone. <laughs> yeah now are you um working individually with people currently i'm not I, I used to be doing rebirthing breath work but you know with the pandemic we had to close the office Mm-hmm. And there's there's really not a way to do rebirthing breath work without being with the client and being able to see their reaction mm-hmm. um, because it is an intense intensive process um, and of course the, the the breathing cannot be accommodated with the pandemic <laughs> restrictions no. so yeah. I, I I've concentrated on the writing. Uh, and getting mm-hmm. this book out, which I felt was so, so important to report, you know, what we've achieved, what is achievable, and how people can empower themselves. I, I felt that was important. So I concentrated on that these two years. Okay. Well, you've done a great job, and I truly appreciate it. Um, before Thank we go, what 
pearl, you're welcome. What pearl of wisdom would you like to leave with our listeners today? <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, pearl of wisdom is... <laughs> Check out. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to make you... Think, Check think, out think these <laughs> techniques for yourself. Okay. Find one or two that appeal to you, master them, and apply them. Apply them to friends, family, pets, doesn't matter. Start proactively healing in your community. Yeah. Well, you know, I used to go to the vet with my, my little doggy and, you know, yeah. four or five, six hundred dollars every time. You know, she, yeah. she'll let me know once a month she wants me to spend money on her. And, you know, it's <laughs> like, well, you know, this is a lot of money. I'd rather spend it another way. So I finally started using my healing techniques and Reiki on her. She hasn't been to the vet in quite some That's time. Nice. That's I'm happy. My purse is happy. And guess yeah. what? The dog is happy. <laughs> so yeah. it truly the, does work. The Sui Reiki is such a blessing. <laughs> yes. Now, are you teaching that online now? I'm, not, I'm not actually teaching online. I've been like head down writing. Um, okay. But we will be putting courses up. Uh, the problem I have with that is the initiations. Um, we always did them hands-on with the people, mm -hmm. you know, and I haven't really got my head around the notion of doing it online yet. <laughs> okay. Well, you can always yeah, put I the mean, money, the, the money, you can put the energy in a cheap ball. <laughs> if, if you recommend it, Monique, I'll definitely give it a go. Well, see how it works. I've done several in um, putting the wow. initiations within a chi ball. And I mean, it's quite a process. It's not like, you know, they're there in person. So sometimes right. it takes a, a bit longer, but it does work. But um, Peter, I want to thank you so much for being with us today. Again, folks, the book is The Power of the Healing Field, Energy Medicine, Psy Abilities, and Ancestral Healing. And the website's PeterMarkAdams.com and MindConnectionHealing.com. So, uh, Peter, I honor you and I thank you. And to the audience, I honor and thank you too. And I truly appreciate everybody's time and attention. And please remember that the most important choice that you can make is what you choose to make important. Consider making the masterful choice of discovering the power of the healing field. Abundant blessings, light and love to all. Agape. Then he was in Pennsylvania. Then he went to New York. So this is a homeless guy going all over the place. What's his source of income? Where's his family? Are they in the Caribbean somewhere? Where's this guy's family? Who is this guy? Also, why is this guy showing up in random cities? For example, I want y'all to see something here. Now, this guy was in a city called Moon Township. 
He was in a city called Moon Township. Now, Moon Township, right here, video shows Brooklyn subway shooting suspect Frank James drove through Moon Township. And he did a video recording where he was in Moon Township. This is in Pennsylvania. Now, let me play some of the news footage of them talking about this, this in the local news down there in Moon Township. Hold on. Hold on. Okay, thank you so much. And on a very significant day, this the pointing the finger at us thinking, okay, this is make filing your taxes easy for you. They can prepare your taxes in person or virtually in all 50 states. Just snap a picture of your documents and leave the rest to them. Let Clark Pro Taxes prepare your personal or your business taxes. So get in touch with them right now at www.clarkprotaxes.com. Their calendars are open right now and they're pre-booking for the new tax season. That's clarkprotaxes.com and follow them on Facebook at Clark Pro Taxes. What's going on family? Are you a diabetic and you reside in Atlanta? Do you have unexpired test strips? Well, if you do, you can make fast cash right now. Call or text LaToya of Martha and Betty Medical Commodities at 504-478-7148. That's 504-478-7148. Or email her at care at MarthaandBetty.com. She helps place test strips to those who can't afford them. So check them out right now. The year is 2079. The futuristic nation of New Albion has been created to maintain a new racial apartheid system. There is a planned genocide that is going to target the nation's black population. Amen. Everybody is standing as we do our decree for today. Everybody is standing as we just decree this. Come on, decree it like you mean it. Come on. I'm getting my life back. I'm getting my health back. I'm getting my faith back. I'm getting my values back. I'm getting my mindset back. I'm getting my relationships back. This is my comeback season. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Amen, 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 amen. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Our scriptural text today comes from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. In the English Standard Version, notice there these words. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. 
For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. I'm talking today from the subject, rekindle. Rekindle. The word kindle means igniting and feeding a fire. Igniting and feeding a fire. When we rekindle, we we relight or we then refeed the fire to be able to keep a fire going. And I want you to think about this. This is um, the Apostle Paul writing to a spiritual son, Timothy, young Timothy. And he's saying to him, Timothy, I want to remind you to stir up the gift of God that is in you. Fan into flame. Rekindle this thing that was put in you by the laying on of my hands. Uh, this is the older man reminding the younger man. And I know most people think that older people forget things all the time. But I really think that it is to pinpoint a truth to us that oftentimes we have a greater need to be reminded than to be instructed. It's that not that you don't know any better, you've just forgotten your manners. And he's putting him back in remembrance that you need to go back to something that brings you back into order. It is a rekindling. It is not that the fire has gone out. It has, it has gone down to the degree that you don't even really realize it is still ignited. And sometimes when a fire looks like it is actually gone out, you have to uncover some things and add a little oxygen by fanning it. And somehow oxygen feeds or fuels a fire. And it can look like it had actually gone out until you actually remove some things and start fanning it into, in, into a flame once again. And that's what he's reminding him to say, listen, there's a gift that was putting you by the laying on of my hands. And it was, it was a reminder to him that you've obviously been neglecting this thing that you need to go back to what you once had burning brightly in your life, but now it has gone out. And I want you to think of this, that back in, in biblical times, the source of all light was basically by fire. There was no electricity to turn on uh, a fluorescent light. They didn't have the, the incandescent uh, light bulbs that we have today. Their light was all by fire. It was a torch. It was a, can uh, a, a lantern. Uh, it, it was a candle. It was all by some source of fire. Their fire produced light. Jesus told us in Matthew chapter 5, this light, let the light that's in you, you are the light of the world. And it should not be put under a bushel. It ought to be set on a hill so it can be seen. This is where we get the whole idea. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it 
shine. I'm going to let it shine. The light shines by a fire. But what can you do when we, so many Christians around the world, have allowed their light to simmer into a flicker? And he's saying that it's time now. I want to put you in remembrance to stir up, to fan into flame. Really not what has gone out, but that that has dwindled down to the degree that you don't even notice that it's burning any longer. And the great thing about this, this, this fire, fire not only produces light, but it also produces warmth. And there are so many people that are out in our world today in a cold, dark world that are oftentimes drawn to our light because, not because they're looking for the light so much, but they are attracted to the warmth. When it's a cold, dog-eat-dog world, they're just looking for a place where there are warm uh, relationships where there is a warm reception but all fire back in that time starting from the sun which is a great ball of fire is nothing but a ball of fire that gives both light and warmth we would die if the sun were an extra mile away from the earth God put it right at just the right distance so that we wouldn't freeze to death and we wouldn't burn up but that it provides both, both light and warmth to us. So when he's talking about rekindling this thing, the world needs your light and they need your warmth. It's a huge turnoff to the world when they see your light, but they cannot feel your warmth. And that's why he says, let your light shine. And he's saying, you need to fan into flame that gift that was in you. And, and my question to you is, what is it that God put in you by gifting, supernaturally, divinely, that you need to fan into flame, that you need to stir up, that you need to do something to develop or to sharpen or to make it better than what it currently is? What is it that you need to fan back into flame that you used to be passionate about? Passion speaks of that fire again. Passion speaks of fire because fire, if you get too close to it, it can actually cause pain. The word passion literally means pain, pain, pain. And you see a person who's passionate about something is because in some way it has pained them. Whatever you're passionate about, if somebody does it poorly, it pains you. If you're a dancer and you see somebody jack a dancer, it's painful to you if you're a singer an instrumentalist and you see somebody messing a song up it's painful to you if somebody hits a sour note or singing off-key that is painful to you if you're in culinary arts and if somebody cooks something and it is not seasoned properly or prepared properly or the right type of consistency it pains you and if you have a gift of organization and if you walk into somebody's space and their space is disorderly, it is painful to you. And if you're a fashion designer and somebody's colors and patterns are tacky and clashing, it's painful to you. 
uh, pain comes from your passion. So if you do it well, it pains you to see somebody do it poorly. It's painful. It's painful. And so here, Paul is reminding Timothy, fan into flame what has died down that you used to be really hot about. I know when people first got saved, they, they would tell everybody about their experience with Jesus. They wanted to get the whole world saved. They wanted to cause a revival. They, it, was, it was everywhere. They still wanted to tell people about Jesus. They wanted to tell people about Jesus. They were, they were passionate about it. They were absolutely passionate about it. And so what are you passionate about that you used to be on fire about? But now, it, it, it doesn't really matter so much. In your relationship with God. When you first came into God, you had a voracious appetite for him. You couldn't get enough of him. And now, I mean, if you don't read it, if you don't go to church, I mean, it, 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 it just doesn't matter. It's like I live. And we don't realize that we have, we've simmered into a smoldering, flickering fire. And he's saying, I want you to fan it into flame. You do it fan into flame add some oxygen to it breathe on it stir it up you stir it up stir up the gift that's in you practice it go back to what you used to be on fire with and put fire to it it's different than man-made fire. What distinguishes divine fire from man-made fire? Man-made fire has a tendency to go out. Man-made fires are not sufficient for today. And man-made fires are not contagious. You know, people can try to start a, fire, a fad by, by themselves. People start stuff, you know, whatever you start, initiate by the flesh, you got to sustain by the flesh. Whatever you get through manipulation, you have to keep through manipulation. But it's, it's, it's not sustainable, it's not sufficient, and, and it's not contagious. But God-given fires, God-given fires remain as long as our focus stays on Him. As long as your focus stays on Him, then your fire will stay. Uh, God-given fires are more than enough to meet our needs. More than enough to meet our needs. And thirdly, God-given fires are contagious for those who see them. You see somebody else who's on fire for God, and somehow it sets you on fire. If somebody is passionate about praying, it makes you realize, you know what, I don't pray enough. If you see somebody else who's witnessing to others, it's like you realize, I don't witness enough. I don't let my light shine enough. I don't, I don't thank God in, 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 a, in a public restaurant and take the time to actually speak grace over my food. You know, and, and it starts sensitizing when you see somebody, when you see a family praying together, when you see people that are devo devout in their, in their practice of God, it, it stirs something in you. That's, that's God-given. It's contagious. It's contagious. And see, to continue to burn, a fire needs heat, it needs fuel, and it needs oxygen. Heat. When you come together with other people, you, you get heat. Fuel is, is, is that thing that is the source that allows the fire to keep living. 
and then oxygen it'll go out i mean if whatever you want to smother kill a fire just just block the flow of oxygen to it and the fire will die out to extinguish a fire there must be cooling it has to cool down you think about it when you you go out and you barbecue on a on a, on a grill when the grill cools down the fire goes out that is the removal of heat that's the removal of it or there is a smothering if you have a fire in a kitchen you need to smother it with some flour throw a blanket on it smother it and you can put a fire out you know when other people starts criticizing you that can sometimes throw